Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most artistic, athletic, tenacious, basically unique and interesting people in the world. Everyone has a story, each person a scholar. Welcome to season three. As we continue to seek out some of the most unforgettable humans, some of the most memorable stories, in the first two seasons, the show featured guests from over 60 different countries and will continue down that path because it is imperative that we cherish the differences. And we can only do that by getting out and journeying into unknown frontiers, whether it be physically or simply through conversation, sharing lovely experiences and saluting the tenacious and resilient guests. Terrific, terrific episode for you today with an unmatched talent as our guest, singer, songwriter, pianist, actor from Oklahoma. Maggie McClure joins the show. In the creative arts world, Maggie's resume is unimpeachable. The Oklahoma native has spent a good amount of her career placing her songs on TV shows such as Dr. Phil, Cougar Town, The Real World, and in TV movies like the Hallmark Channel's My Christmas Love, and in feature films like Cowgirls and Angels, A Cowgirl Story, and Christmas in the Heartland. Her smooth, confessional songwriting has made her a natural for these formats. She has performed more than a thousand shows throughout her career in 40 plus states and at iconic venues such as Hotel Cafe in Los Angeles and Rockwood Music Hall in New York City. Her piano-driven songs empower and inspire listeners with a positive message of hope, love, and faith. Recently, you can find her on the screen as she made her feature film debut in A Cowgirl's Story as well as her international commercial debut in a new Sam's Club ad. Maggie's also recently performed the official holiday halftime show at Madison Square Garden for the New York Knicks along with singer-songwriter Shane Henry. Shane Henry is not just her bandmate in The Imaginaries, he's also her husband. And in 2021, the artistic duo released their first album together as The Imaginaries. The album featured hits such as Revival, which is a spiritual swampy root song about finding hope and salvation. Walking on a Wire, which was written about facing obstacles head-on and pushing through to overcome them. It's a song about the balancing act that artists face daily. And Thinking About You, which is a sincere, acoustic-driven song about missing someone you care about but don't get to be with because of distance. Maggie has a tremendous amount of projects going with her solo career and with the Imaginaries. We were honored that she was able to find time out of her busy schedule to, to chat with us. On today's episode, Maggie chats about her music beginnings and how it was the gift of karaoke that kicked off her singing career. Maggie also chats about the unique formation of the Imaginaries with a lovely story about where the name came from, that story in itself could make for another movie. Lastly, Maggie also discusses the challenges of the last years, the lessons she's learned, and how she's handled uncertainty, which, coincidentally enough, she has a song titled Just That that was featured on her 2014 album, Time Moves On. Ah, she's incredible, wonderfully talented, has a lot of different creative projects going on. I love her voice, both as a solo artist and as part of a duet with her husband, Shane. Looking forward to catching her on the screen later this spring. Certainly a thrill to have her on the show. But before we bring Maggie out, we're going to play a sample of the imaginary song You Already Know. So let's go ahead and welcome singer, songwriter, actor, and member of the Imaginaries, Maggie McClure. And let's learn.
musical background and where it started i gotta ask first of all what was it like performing the national anthem first playoff game for the thunder what was that like that was an incredible experience to get to sing the national anthem for the first playoff game in uh oklahoma history it was quite an experience for the thunder i i feel like that was at least 10 years ago probably more um but i remember i got the call just the day before and they asked me if i'd like to do it and i quickly said yes and then i was like whoa this is a you know last minute and i i'm always one to say yes and figure it out you know after the fact but i'd done it before um just not at a playoff game so <laughs> that was really a cool experience and uh really grateful for that opportunity I'm always curious about the the timing of it because I know as you sing, sometimes there's often a delay of when you sing and what you actually hear. So does that throw you off at all? And, and also when the video screen's on you, that might throw you off as well. Yeah, yeah. Usually, well, sometimes in those situations, you don't have a monitor because it's just too complicated for as a setup. And I, I'm pretty sure for that one, I did not have a monitor. So I was just going off of what I heard in the room, which was definitely a slapback. Um, so yeah, that can be very strange. You know, some situations you'll have in-ear monitors, but we didn't have that for that performance. Um, so yeah, that was that was pretty crazy because there's quite the delay there. And then yeah, seeing yourself on the big jumbotron and trying not to <laughs> look at that <laughs> in the yeah, middle exactly. of yeah, <laughs> it is quite the experience. And who'd have thought that that singing career actually started? from what I've read about you, on your first karaoke machine that you received when you were eight. Is that where the singing first began? Yeah, you know, my, my mom always sang. Um, my dad played guitar for fun and still does. And um, 
I was always around music and my mom put me in different singing groups and music classes. As a toddler, I was in dance. I started piano when I was five. And I just always loved music and always gravitated towards it. And so it was always a really natural thing for me to do. I was never really into sports. I was definitely more of an artsy kid. And um, that, yeah, it all started when I was really young, like three. I remember I got my first keyboard when I was actually one. And I remember just you know, playing around on it, pushing buttons, but I vividly remember doing that. And I was one, which is crazy. So it's been a big part of my life ever since I can remember. And I started writing songs when I was eight. The rest is history. (laughs) Yeah. What were some of the uh, songs or the artists you remember singing on karaoke when you were eight? Oh my gosh. I... I had a bunch of karaoke cassette tapes, so that (laughs) tells you when this was taking place. Um, I had, they had a lot of different artists on them, so it wasn't just one artist, it would have a bunch of different songs, but Bonnie Raitt was one of the main artists that I started singing. Um, Sarah McLaughlin and Natalie Imbruglia. Torn, Um, yeah. Yeah, Torn. (laughs) I was like my introduction to slide guitar and like being like, whoa, this is really cool. Um, but yeah, just different artists like that. Uh, Carol King, um, Amy Grant. Those are, those are some of the very beginning artists that influenced me. Very cool. Amy Grant's name comes up quite a bit on the podcast. I'll say that. Now you, awesome. you currently are in a band with your husband, Shane Henry. You guys are the Imaginaries. For someone listening to the first time, what can they expect? What's the sound of the Imaginaries? Yeah, well, um, I'll back up a little bit to mm-hmm. tell you kind of my background and then Shane's background and then how the Imaginaries came to be and how that sound is what it is and where the roots came from. But my music, I started writing and recording records um, under my solo name, Maggie McClure, starting when I was in high school and I've released five solo records since then. And all of my stuff is very piano driven, pop rock, um, singer songwriter, definitely influenced by a lot of the artists that I mentioned that I (laughs) sang karaoke to as a kid, but Sarah McLaughlin, Alicia Keys, Nora Jones, um, a lot of female singer-songwriters. Um, and then, you know, I was really influenced by the Beatles and Coldplay and all kinds of bands. So my music is definitely more pop rock, if you would, um, piano-driven. And my husband, Shane Henry, I actually met him opening a show for him mm. when I was 16 and he was 20. And his solo music, he has a similar story. He started playing shows when he was in high school and recorded the same um, in high school and then recorded records after that and has recorded and released five albums like me. Um, His music is more electric guitar, blues, rock driven. And it has some soul sensibilities, too. There's certain songs that lean towards that. So 
we both come from different places musically, but still have a lot in common as well. So the Imaginaries came to be when in 2018, we had an opportunity to be a part of this thing called the One Mic series. And John Cunaberti is this amazing engineer who lives in the Bay Area in San Francisco. And he puts on these sessions where bands come to legendary studios throughout the country and record as a band all around one ribbon microphone. And it's pretty amazing what he can do. And it was incredible what we were able to do at these sessions. So we went to Muscle Shoals, Alabama. And when we found out about this opportunity, we had both submitted to it Hmm. as our own solo acts because we didn't really have the imaginaries put together at all. We had songs, but what happened is he said, I love you both, but I only have one slot. Mm-hmm. So do it together. And so that is what sparked the Imaginaries to start. And we said, yeah, we actually have some songs. We sent him voice memos and he picked the ones that he liked the best. And uh, we still didn't have a name. And so we went and did this session and it was so awesome and it was time for him to put these videos out. And he said, hey guys, I need to know what your band name is so I know you know, what to put on the video. So we were actively thinking about what to call it because we both had solo careers for you know, over 10 years and starting something new, you know, we just had our names before. So this time we had to actually come up with a band name, which is actually really hard to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> these days because mm-hmm. everything's been taken and there's nothing new but we we were in this mode of dreaming up names and in the middle of the night one night Shane woke me up and he said oh my gosh I know the name <laughs> and he had a dream where the imaginaries was written on a marquee and he told me the name and I was like, oh my gosh, yes, <laughs> I love it. And so what we do together as the Imaginaries is a combination of what I do and what he does. And then also there's this new rooty Americana element that neither of us really had on our own, but together um, uh, I think our Oklahoma roots come out even more. And it's been really cool. Uh, The music has been really refreshing and exciting for us. And it's been really neat to do it together and to do something new. And um, so, yeah, that's the long answer to your question. (laughs) That's a lovely story. You mentioned the Beatles earlier. And having recently watched the Get Back documentary, I am fascinated just by the dynamic between more than one person when it comes to writing music, writing songs, and especially when they're married. So for you guys, how does that work? How does that process work? Are you laying down lyrics first? Does one person maybe take the lead? Do you guys rotate? Is there competition behind it? What, what's, what's going on in the process? Yeah. Wow. What an what a awesome documentary yeah. um, you're talking about, The Get Back. We've watched the first one, and 
I can't wait to watch the rest, but I want to make We should just stop this interview now and you just go watch it right now. That's more priority than talking to me. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do that when we get off. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it was so cool to see how, um, how the Beatles all were collaborating during that time and how cool it is to be able to relate to that and, and know exactly what that's like. And for me, um, it's really cool to see how much of a go-getter Paul was and probably still is, and just how he really was moving everything along and continuing to push everything. And um, I think that's so important for so many, you know, in, in every area of being an artist. But for us, Shane and I, both came from very different methods of writing songs and performing. So I was classically trained growing up. I also grew up playing in church in a contemporary setting. And so I can read music. I studied music in college. I, I have a degree in music. And uh, Shane doesn't know how to read music. And so he, he plays by ear and can read chord charts, of course. But so we have that very different mm -hmm. um, basic thing about us. But it's really cool because in areas that he thrives in, I may not be as good at and vice versa. Um, and we really complement each other. But when we first started writing together, it was a challenge. <laughs> Because I, we were already dating when we started writing together. So that throws that into the mix. So right off the bat, your filter <laughs> that you would normally have is not there yeah. with your co-writing partner. And so, you know, we would try to write something and he or I would say, well, I don't like that. You know, not what you would normally say to a co-writer. Yeah. We didn't really uh, candy coat it. And so we got in quite a few arguments. But after a while, we, we were playing together so much. I would back him up on his shows. He would back me up on mine. We played so much together. We knew we had something special. And we just had to figure out how to collaborate songwriting-wise. And so... We've written so many songs together in so many different ways. Um, they can start with a song idea that I have that maybe I wrote half the song and then I say, hey, let's finish this together or vice versa. He'll bring me a song that he started and we'll finish it together. That's usually how it goes. Um, but sometimes we'll just start from complete scratch together too. And sometimes we'll involve other writers as well. So every song happens in a different way. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that makes it so exciting. Yeah. It's got to be also difficult too if, if you're singing about something emotional and you might look at each other like, is that about me? Are you, are you singing about me right now? Or that's got to be challenging as well. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it, it's easy to take things personally yeah. and go, yeah, is this about me or what are you what are you saying? And you've never said this before. Where where's this coming from? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> exactly. And there's something about, you know, keeping kind of a mystery about songs mm -hmm. to where people don't know if it's something literally you're talking about yeah. or if something that you're making up or where this is coming from but yes all of those things are definitely going through our minds all the time <laughs> yeah are you singing this because i didn't take out the trash is that what this is about so right yeah <laughs> how do you yourself in the right mindset for a performance and then second part of that question would be is that routine is it always the same or does it change based on the venue or the event i think each gig that we have each performance we go into in a different way depending on what is going on for that performance so sometimes we have the luxury of just being able to show up and perform which is the best because we can really be 100% focused on that but a lot of the time being independent artists we have to get there really early and a lot of the time we have to be involved with setting up the sound system, yeah. setting up the gear, setting up the merch. And we're there, you know, four or five hours before doors open. And uh, a lot of it is logistical and, okay, do we have this? Do we have that? Is this working? Is this ready? Did you take care of this? We kind of have a checklist mm -hmm. uh, pre-show. And so when it's, when that is the situation, um, we don't necessarily have as much time to gather our thoughts about the performance, but I think either way, we're still 100% fully engaged in the performance. We just kind of have to go with whatever circumstances we're given and make the most of it. And if we do have the luxury of the first scenario, which we've had a few times recently, and I'm very grateful when that does happen. Um, we do try to, you know, really get our heads in the game and and make it as purposeful as possible, which we do anyway, even if we don't have that time. But it is nice to have that moment where you can actually breathe and think clearly before you step on stage. <laughs> One of your newest singles of the Imaginaries, which I love the name of the band created in a dream for on a marquee. I love that. Newest singles is you already know. So what was the inspiration behind that song? So You Already Know is actually a song that we wrote for each other when we got married, which was 10 years ago, which is crazy. And we just had not recorded it yet because one, we didn't have our band together yet until just three years ago. And two, we hadn't had the right opportunity and the right situation for recording that song. When we went back to Muscle Shoals, Alabama and recorded our debut album that we put out last year, we ended up recording this song and a few others that didn't actually end up on the record. And the reason why you already know did not end up on the debut album is because stylistically it leaned a little bit more to the soulful side than the other songs. And we are calling this Americana. We wanted it to be obviously an Americana record. And this song was just a little left of center. And so we decided to put it out just a few months ago 
because it actually got selected to be featured in a Hallmark movie. Mm -hmm. So we thought, well, okay, this is, this is a good time to put this out. And so it all happened very quickly. And uh, we decided to do a music video for it, which is super fun. Uh, we filmed, it's the fastest video we've ever done. We filmed in four hours mm. with our director, Reagan Elkins, here in Oklahoma. And uh, it turned out great. I hope everyone will go check it out for sure. Well, also recently you guys put out a Christmas album. So I'm curious, what was the creative process like on that? Yeah. So Christmas songs are the first thing that Shane and I collaborated on songwriting wise. We decided back in 2012, I think, hey, let's write a Christmas song just because we love Christmas. We love holidays. Not a lot of people write original holiday music. And we thought, let's, let's give this a go and see what happens. And so we wrote a song and then the next year we wrote another one and then we wrote another one and we ended up playing a lot of holiday shows. We ended up doing a lot of NBA halftime holiday shows. We ended up getting all these amazing opportunities thanks to our holiday music that didn't exist with our non-holiday music. And we thought, wow, this is really an opportunity here and we love doing it, so let's just keep doing it. And once we had the Imaginaries formed, I booked us on the Brian Setzer Orchestra Christmas Rocks Tour as the main support act, which was a huge opportunity for an indie band to get to do that. And we were booked for 25 dates with Brian. And unfortunately, two days before the tour, he had to cancel the whole thing um, because of some health issues. And so that was very disappointing to say the least, but we put out an album that year called hometown Christmas and it features half of our, well, half of it is all of our originals and half of it is covers. And then since then we've put out another holiday song. So we, we love the holidays. We love holiday music and, Fingers crossed that we get to do the Brian Setzer tour this year. Um, we really think it's going to happen. So, What do you feel is harder, creating a new Christmas song or reimagining an existing one and making it sound different? I, I would say creating a new Christmas song okay. is more difficult than reimagining something that already exists just because you're trying to come up with something brand new yeah and that is especially hard for christmas music <laughs> um but you know both are fun tasks and challenging um we always try to work up new versions of our favorite covers and this year we did quite a few 90 minute shows and so we had to have a lot of material um you know all holiday material for those and so we worked up fun versions of you know this christmas by donny hathaway um you're a mean one mr grinch was super fun and some of our favorite carols and just it it is really fun to come up with unique 
arrangements of existing songs too. So I, I'm up for either anytime. <laughs> well, I don't know how it was in Oklahoma, but here in Arizona, it seems like Christmas season started even earlier than normal. There's always going to be plenty of a market for songs because it feels like we're getting longer and longer on both ends. Like Christmas trees up for two weeks after and they put it up months before. So who knows? There's plenty of market for Christmas songs. Yeah, um, I I agree. I think we all need a little holiday cheer longer than maybe in years prior. So everyone starts earlier and our lights are still up. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Challenging, challenging couple of years for, for everyone, but especially for musicians, because just for all the uncertainty, you mentioned the tour with Brian Setzer was canceled. And there were, I'm sure there were other shows that were canceled for you over the last couple of years as well. How did you handle emotionally all the ups and downs and the hurdles that came with the past couple of years? Well, the Brian Setzer tour got canceled in November of 2019. Okay. That was right, right before. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we experienced that right before COVID and we, had no idea what was coming. Yeah. That was that was very devastating for that to get canceled. And then going into 2020 with an album ready to release and plans to release it and then booking, you know, we had oh, I don't remember how many the whole, you know, past 2 years kind of are a blur, but we at least had 30 shows for 2020 booked that all got canceled. Um, and each show that we booked, you know, I was booking and it was a lot of work to make each one happen. And so that was really difficult because we had just come out of the tour getting canceled with Brian Setzer. And then we had high hopes of releasing our album and touring. And then, COVID happened and everything that we had worked on after the brain tour got canceled and got canceled too. Um, it was really hard at first to figure out what do we even do now? And should we even, when should we book shows? Because it was very emotional to go through the whole process of making this all happen and then having to undo it all, um, it was really, it really did take a toll on me because I am the one making the calls and sending the emails and to have to undo it, that's really hard after all the hard work it takes to, to make it happen. So, you know, we, we didn't get down in the dumps and just decided that we had to figure something out and push on. And so we just started doing all these live stream shows on our own Facebook page. And that was really great. And we had that to look forward to. And I think that really helped us emotionally a lot through this process and this season. And, you know, fans just showing up from all over the world to tune into shows online um that really meant a lot to us and we had that to look forward to and you know we made it fun each show was different we played new songs it was really fun to engage with people in a way that we hadn't really done before and so that was really uh that really saved us doing that and just staying, staying positive staying proactive staying healthy 
Um, and by doing all the live streams, we were keeping up our chops. So we're practicing, we're playing a lot. Um, we ended up writing and recording a lot during the pandemic. And thank God we got this amazing opportunity to be involved with this feature film that um, we're a part of because it took a lot of time and we spent a lot of time during the pandemic writing and recording songs for this movie called a cowgirl song. Um, so thankfully we had other things that we focused on and other opportunities that we just made happen, but it was really difficult. And as far as, you know, income coming in, that, that was really hard um, to have all those shows get canceled. But, we were really excited because this last year, starting in the summertime, we were able to play a lot of outdoor shows, which was great. Who's our guest? Yeah, Lily, my dog, is trying to make an appearance here. <laughs> With all those challenges and just the turbulence that you faced, what do you feel is the biggest life lesson? It doesn't even have to be music related, but just biggest life lesson you've had from the last couple of years. I would say the biggest life lesson that I learned through this whole thing is that be grateful for when you get to do what it is that you know you're meant to do and the shows that we did get to play this year meant so much more than ever because of everything that's happened and i'm always grateful but there's there's now a deeper appreciation for getting to do what we love and sharing that with other people and you know it's just crazy we've played thousands of shows and we didn't know what that would feel like when that was taken away mm -hmm. from us so i guess the biggest life lesson is just to be grateful in general and especially savor the moments when you get to do it what you're what you know you're meant to do and you know another big life lesson i've learned is that it's not as exciting but nothing is for sure until after it's happened um, because i have gotten so excited and put so much um, you know anticipation into things like the brian setzer tour like releasing our album and and other things that when it doesn't happen like you expect it to it can be really it can really rock you and so just yeah. you know not letting that happen and just you know sticking staying grounded staying plugged in to your family and friends and faith and um just remembering in the back of your head that nothing's for sure until after it's done <laughs> Yeah. When you don't know the answer, whether it be composing a new song, whether it be setting up a, a tour or just organizing the next show you have, when you don't know the answer, you don't know what to do, what do you do? Yeah. Wow. That's a great question and something that we all go through and something I go through all the time. I have a song called Uncertainty that is mm. on my album that I released in 2014. And it is all about what you, what you just talked about. Fantastic, fantastic. I'm gonna, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm listening to that when we're finished. Awesome. So I, for me, 
I, when I'm experiencing doubt and uncertainty and feel a little lost, I always try to, first of all, spend some time praying and just be still. I feel like we're on the move so much. We're on the go so much. I'm always doing a lot. So it's important to take a step back from all that and just pause and reflect and listen and pray. So I think that's a really important thing for me. And then also just talking to my, you know, closest friends and colleagues, you know, Shane and I, of course, have constant conversations about all this, but trying to not have a conversation that doesn't have any resolution, but something where we can end on a positive note and have some something to work towards. And then I talk to my parents, um, close mentors. It's just nice to get an outside perspective. And sometimes we get so inside our own heads. So I would say praying, reflecting, being still, and being okay with that. Mm-hmm. And then talking to my husband, my best friends, my parents and mentors is what I tend to do. Brilliant. Brilliant. So what's next? What's next for the Imaginaries in 2020? What should we be looking forward to? Well, we are so excited because 2022, this year, there is a a feature film coming out called The Cowgirls Song. And we just found out that it will be coming out in late April. And Shane and I are co-starring in the movie along with Cheryl Ladd and Darcy Lynn Farmer and Savannah Lee May. And we also wrote and produced nine or 10 songs that will be featured in the movie. This is a music driven movie. So most of these songs are actually performed on camera by the lead actors or ourselves throughout the film. And Shane and I co-produced it as well. So this is kind of our debut as filmmakers and we couldn't be more proud. Um, Like I said, this movie kind of really came at the perfect time because we were able to write the songs remotely with uh, the writer and director who lives in Los Angeles. And then we produced the tracks from our home studio and hired people from all over to play from their studios remotely. And it was just such a great project to be working on during this time. And then we filmed this last summer in Oklahoma, entirely in the city of Chickasha, Oklahoma. And it's a very positive, family-friendly, music-driven movie that I can't wait for everyone to see. So that'll be coming out in late April, and it's called A Cowgirl's Song. Fantastic, fantastic. Awesome. I'm excited for the movie. I'm excited just to follow along with everything you guys got going. I love the sound. I love just everything that Imaginaries has, just the vibe. It's good music for like late at night driving, I feel. That's like my time when I'm listening to you guys. How can people stay up to date? How can they follow along your journey? Well, we have our website, imaginariesband.com. 
So everything is always there, tour dates, music, videos, info, all of that. We are also on all the socials, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I just started a TikTok for us. We have one video. We're officially on TikTok. Um, we are at Imaginaries Band on all social media platforms. And, of course, our music is everywhere, digitally, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere. Um, and physical CDs can be purchased through our website, as well as T-shirts and other fun merch items. But, yeah, we really hope to stay in touch with the listeners and really appreciate you and your support. It means a lot. Hardest question you're going to get, favorite Beatle is who and why? Oh, well, I, I love them all, but I say my favorite Beatle is Paul. Um, I, I just admire his work ethic so much, and I know what that's like to be uh, driven like he is. Um, I would love, like, he is one of the top people I would love to collaborate with mm. in the whole world if I could pick one person I would say him if I could pick and one person to interview it would be Paul as well yeah that's awesome <laughs> he's incredible as a musician songwriter and uh I we we saw him play in Tulsa probably like five or ten years ago I don't mm. remember when but I was so impressed with not only his musicianship his his voice his stage presence his songwriting, obviously, but his never-ending energy and stamina on stage. It was incredible. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. For three hours solid, he did not stop at oh. all, even to take one drink of water. Mm. It was just like, it, it was so inspiring, incredible to see someone perform like he did. It, yeah. it was just amazing. So, Paul is my favorite. What I love the most about him is how charming he is between songs. He'll, he'll, he'll rock out, let it be, and then he'll tell you a quick story. He goes, yeah, so we were in Hamburg and da da da, da. It's a little segues in between that where I was just, you know, my heart. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I, it's funny because it depends on the show, but I, I tend to talk a lot. And Shane will be like, he'll, he'll be like, wrap it up. You know, like if I'm talking too much in between songs. But I think that's so, it just pulls people in and it, and it pulls me in when I'm at a show and someone's talking and, and tells a story like that. So, well, um, he was smooth with it too, because I think he has a purpose. He would do it when he was transitioning from a, a guitar song to a piano song. But you're, mm. so as you're just listening to him talk, you're not even aware of all the things that are moving on stage. You just want to listen to Paul. So I think he was very smart in the way he did it. So next time he tells you to wrap it up, be like, no, we're transitioning into something different. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, this is when you switch guitars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maggie, you're the best. This was awesome. Made my day. Well, Shane says to say, or he told me to tell you hi. And I'm sorry he couldn't be a part. Sometimes this is how it goes. <laughs> how it goes. Well, we'll get Shane on next time, or I'll talk to Shane on his own. We'll do something. We'll make it work. Oh, cool. Well, but, thank you. Yeah, thank That's you so much cool. for today. And I hope we chat again, but just thank you for today. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks, Maggie. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Wasn't she fantastic? Thank you, thank you, Maggie. Be on the lookout for her. 
later this spring on the big screen with the Cowgirls song. Give her a follow on Instagram and follow the Imaginaries. Listen to both Maggie's album and the Imaginaries anywhere you find music. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. Aviento.